0: Welcome back. We are glad you have chosen to join us for the conclusion of Pastor Tim's message from Luke chapter seven, verses one through 10. Faith in the face of the improbable. We know that we are to live by faith and not by sight. That's hard to do when we are overwhelmed by trials. Yet, we can learn from one of the Bible's greatest examples of how to live out a truly marvelous faith. And the example may come from a person you least suspect. Here's Pastor Tim.
1: I want you to notice something here with me. Let's go back to, um, let's go back to what those, um, to those elders said. And let me, uh, let me give you, well, I'll tell you what, let me go ahead and give you the second thing. So our faith has to be accurately pointed. It needs to have the right object, right? Well, my faith also needs to be acutely personal. It, it has to be mine. You know, there's a lot of times, especially in our Baptist church, that we make a lot of, a lot of commotion about the profession of faith. We, but sometimes we don't do a very good job of investigating the possession of that faith. We can profess faith, but it's got to be more than mere words. When you're faced with a trial, when you're faced with a diagnosis, when you're faced with bad news... Words will not sustain you. Faith will sustain you. In the midst of, So my, my faith has to go beyond my words. It has to make it out of my head and really down into my heart. It has to be mine. I mean, I, I am super inspired over the story of a man's faith that would make Jesus go wow. I am amazed when I read the stories of the faith of our forefathers. It's incredible to me. It inspires me. But when it really comes down to it, the centurion's faith, Luke's faith, Paul's faith, even my mom and daddy's faith, it's not what counts. It's not what gets me through. It's got to be my faith, it's got to be mine. We we create an environment within our homes where we want our children, at least at the beginning, to sort of ride our coattails. We want them to believe like we believe. We want them to have the same kind of faith that we have. And so, because we recognize that one of these days, they're off the coattails. And it's time for them to make a decision. We want them to be able to make that right decision. Because they have to make it, don't they? You can teach them and lead them however you want to. There's come a point where they are going to decide for themselves who they are and whose they're going to be. So let me get to this. Ownership is a key. I'm going to give you a pair of keys for this living by faith. One of them is ownership. Ownership is a key to living by faith. So it's important to have that profession, but it's really more important to have that possession of faith. So anyway, I sent you back to verse number 4. Let's go back there. So the Jews, the elders of the Jews, they come and they beg Jesus earnestly, but notice the reasons that they give about why Jesus should answer their prayer. All right, I won't call it a prayer because they're talking to Jesus. Okay, They say, because the centurion is worthy. Then they say, because the centurion is patriotic. He loves our nation. And then they say, the centurion is rich. You know, he, he built us a synagogue. So he means he's religious too. You know, I mean, th- these are all these reasons why we should do it. And it sounds like us. We pray and we have this big prayer request maybe that we want to deliver to the Lord, but yet we spend all of our time citing reasons why He should answer us, and most of them aren't spiritual reasons. They're selfish reasons. They're reasons that are backed up by our own insecurities about why God should do what we want Him to do. As if we're sitting on Santa's knee asking for some great gift at Christmas time. It's not about whether you've been a good boy or girl. It's not about being worthy. Do you notice we made mention of this a while ago? These are the elders' words. These are them coming and saying he's worthy. That's them coming and saying it's because he's patriotic, it's because he's religious, it's because he's rich. It's not the centurion's words. The centurion's words are the ones that are delivered by the friends at the end of verse number 6. And you notice the first thing he says, Lord, I am not worthy. Don't trouble yourself, for I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. Look at this. I didn't even think myself worthy to come to you. I sent these friends because I'm not worthy to come to your presence. You're certainly not worthy to come to my house. There was something that happened between verse 3 and verse 6 in this man's heart. As soon as he sent those elders out, I don't know, maybe he kind of knew what they were going to say, you know, and thought, that's that's not really what, that's not what I'm trying to communicate here, you know. Hey, buddy, <laughs> friend, would you go to Jesus and tell him this? Just tell him. I... I'm sending you because I'm not worthy to go to you. These other people have asked you to come to me, but I'm not even even worthy that you come to me. Can I tell you this? I mean, I love you for sure. But you're not worthy. We think Jesus ought to hop on, you know, hop on our bandwagon because we're worthy somehow. We deserve it. You're not worthy. You don't deserve it. Listen, the last thing I want (laughs) is what I deserve. You know what's interesting to me at the first part of verse number six? After the elders come, they give all this this hoo-ha about him being worthy and all. It says Jesus went with them. He went with them anyway. He, He knew this as an affront to prayer, and yet He went anyway. Why did He do that? For the same reason that He comes into an unworthy person's heart. It's His grace. It's His mercy. It's Him not treating us as we deserve, but Him treating us the way that He wants to treat us. He comes to us because He's merciful, because He's gracious. And it's the same reason that He's willing to go to this man's house. Ownership is the key. It's it's that centurion's faith. Jesus is not going to heal the servant because of the uh, the elder's faith or lack of. He's not even going to do it because of the friend's faith or the friend's compliance, at least. It's because of the faith of this man. He has gone farther in his faith than anybody in his time, maybe even in our time. Maybe that's why it's so marvelous. I mean, he'd heard the stories, right? Jesus touched somebody and healed them. Never before in the Scriptures has Jesus Jesus healed somebody without touching them. Yet this guy is so convinced in his heart of Jesus' ability, he says, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy for you to come to my house. You just just stay right where you are, and if you'll say the word, he'll be healed. That's the ownership of faith. The question then comes from me, is that that kind of faith that I have that I want to walk by? Is that the faith that I walk by not by sight? Well, if ownership is a key, let me give you a second key. It's obedience. Obedience is a key to living by faith. You see the elders being obedient. You see the, 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 the friends being obedient. You even see, I mean, the, the disease being obedient, right? What, what, what you don't have in here is Jesus actually saying the word. I don't know, be healed or whatever Whatever He says. But the friends and the elders and those who are gathered around, they get to, they get to see that. They, I mean, they get to hear it. And then they've got to, they've got to go home. And look, let's pick it up. Verse number 9. We read it a while ago. When Jesus heard these things, He marveled at Him and turned around and said to the crowd that followed Him, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. And those who were sent, friends of the elders, right? Both of them. Returning to the house, found the servant well who had been sick. I wonder what they expected. You know, I don't, I don't know that the elders of the Jews really expected a whole lot. You know? I think they just kind of went back to the house to see what's going to be seen. The friends, on the other hand, I, I kind of feel like they expected Jesus to answer. I mean, if, if the centurion's faith had rubbed off on them whatsoever, they at least have some kind of inclination that Jesus is going to be able to do something. But I got a feeling when they got back to the house and they saw that that centurion servant was healed that just like Jesus marveled, I think they did too. Like Jesus said, wow, I think they said, wow. You ever get amazed that Jesus answers a prayer that you expected Him to in the first place? It's amazing, isn't it? And then you kind of want to do that little V8 thing on your head and say, you know, why, why didn't I just trust Him? It makes my faith explode. It leads me into a life of greater obedience to Him. Obedience is the key, isn't it? To follow Jesus doesn't just mean to walk in the same literal steps that He's walking in. To follow Jesus means to obey Jesus. And here's a man that had given his heart to Him. Jesus did a miracle like we've never seen before up to this point. Where's your faith? When the sights and the sound and the circumstances surround you, you know, man, they come in like a landslide and they, they surround you and envelop you and, 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 and enclose you. What do you do? The place that you turn to the first. That's where your faith is. I want your faith to be in the one true living God. What he can do. You know, I mentioned to you earlier that there are two places in the Bible where it says that Jesus marveled. He said, wow. You know, and they both have to do with faith and they do. You know, one of them's here. He sees this guy's great faith and says, Wow, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. The next time it comes around and Jesus wows, it's not because of the presence of faith, it's because of the absence of faith. He's looking at those who should act in faith toward Him and yet don't. It's as if He looks at those who are spiritual, those who are born again, who still continue to act and live naturally. Can I remind you that Jesus has not called you to be natural, but He's called you to be supernatural. And through that, He wants to do supernatural things, I think. What's He doing in your life? What do you trust Him for? What do you need for Him to do? Why don't we do this? Why don't we bow our heads, close our eyes? Just take a quick inventory. You know, where are you in your faith walk, in that journey that you have? Have you ever made a profession of faith? Do you know that you know that you have possession of real, genuine, biblical, saving faith? You got to know that you know. I will invite you this morning. Maybe you want to come to me. Say, Tim, I need to. I need to give my heart to Jesus. Maybe you come today and you say, Tim, I, I'm struggling. I mean, I am. Struggling with this. I'm struggling with where God fits in it. I'm struggling with what my response is supposed to be. I I know I'm a believer, but I'm even struggling with with even trusting the Lord. I want to help you if I can. I, I think if you got in the altar, I think if you went there with a friend, even better. I think the Lord will hear And respond to that prayer. I do. Maybe God gives you direction about planting your life in our church. Whatever you need to do today, let's do that, okay? Jesus, all around this room, there is a measure of faith in every heart. Uh, probably for most of us, our faith isn't where we want it to be. If it ain't where we want it to be, it certainly ain't where you want it to be. But Father, for those of us that belong to you, we know that we know it. Would you bolster our faith? And I, I know that in saying that, I may be inviting Trouble. But if I'm convinced that I'm in the palm of your hand, I don't have a safer place to be. And I need my faith to grow. I need for you to be my first response and not my last resort. Father, would you grant that graciously to everybody in here, even me? Father, if there's a specific area that people need to plug that into, I pray that you'd help them today to make the connection. That you'd answer the prayer. That they would know that they know. That even when they don't see it, you're still working. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Would you stand with me where you are? If if you want to come to me, I want to help you. If you want to come to the altar, it is wide open. That is there for you. Let's sing. Let's pray. Let's do what we need to do.
0: Sean. This year at Britt David, we would like to challenge you to share the love of Christ with those you come into contact with each day. Remember, he who wins souls is wise. Pastor Tim would love to connect and share with you about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and how you can know that you know that Jesus is your Savior and Lord. That address is churchoffice at brittdavid.org. We are located at 2801 West Britt David Road, Columbus, Georgia, 31909. Thanks again for joining us here on Britt David Podcast.